As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Manchester United with 13 to go. Garnacho! Garnacho with a penalty. The winner in the Youth Cup final. United 2, Forest 1. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving and this is the sound inside Old Trafford of Manchester United's youngsters winning the FA Youth Cup. The players are just taking a lap of honour around the stadium. The captain, Reese Bennett, has just high-fived one of the security guards, Alejandro Garnacho, is having his picture taken with an Argentina flag as well. What a night for these young Manchester United stars. It was the captain, Bennett, who sent them on their way, scoring the opening goal early in the first half and then Nottingham Forest equalising just before half-time. But Garnacho was not to be denied. Two goals from him in the second half, one from the penalty spot and one in stoppage time to seal a famous win for United in front of a record crowd for this competition as well. 67,492 fans packed inside Old Trafford. The biggest crowd in the history of the FA Youth Cup. It is of course the last competitive match of the season here at Old Trafford and after the senior side has failed to live up to all of our expectations this campaign. How fitting that the under 18s will send all United fans home happy for one last time from this stadium this season with a smile on their face. We'll be joined by Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten on the podcast shortly, but first, let's get some reaction from the Manchester United camp. Just Clifford in dangerously, 1-0. Fabulous header. Manchester United lead, and it's the skipper, Reese Bennett. Oh, it's... Whoa, you can't get better than this. 75, 75 in Old Trafford, it's like I say, it's, I've just dreamt of this since I was a little kid. First day I joined this club, I just thought, you know, this is, this is what dreams are made of, isn't it? So, you know, I'm, I'm buzzing. None of us could have done it on our own. Every single game, 
you know, the best thing about it for me is, as I said previously, is that we've done it together, do you know what I mean? We've done it as a team. No one's been individual. You know, we've gone down twice, um, conceded first, and every single one of them's dug deep, uh, put it in till the last minute. Um, I'm just so proud of all of them, and every single one of them deserve it. Cast one for Sam. Got a bit feisty at the end. You were involved. How was that for you as a finish? Yeah, we just got to, got to fight till the end, haven't you? <laughs> uh, you know, these lads, you, you grow up with them, and we've got each other's backs, you know. I've lived with quite a few of them for a few years and you know it means so much of we've got each other and that's what got us through at the end you know we're such a good team together and got the backing of everyone. Well, um, this is actually the second time that we've recorded the main section of the podcast because this is my confession that it was my responsibility to record us last night when we were gathered outside Old Trafford between a programme stall and a burger van at midnight in the dark and cold of Manchester with a drink in hand, revelling in what was an absolutely brilliant atmosphere with input from families of the Manchester United players, um, and yeah, it's not worked. And uh, now here we are on... <sighs> I'm so annoyed still. I, th- I'm, I hope you can hear this in my voice. But anyway, l- let's get on with it. Um, I need to introduce you again <laughs> for the second time in just 12 hours. Andy Mitten and Laurie Whitwell. Gentlemen, I'm so sorry. I'm just sad for the people that missed out because we got the big so Alex Ferguson next yeah. week, didn't we? He came over and said hello. We had a nice chat with him as he was leaving the stadium. Ridiculous. We'll never hear that. I feel like it's going to be... You know when um, you know, black and white games from, from yesteryear, you know, 1968 European Cup final has been brought back to Technicolor. I want this recording kept in future years. Maybe there's some technology that can bring it back to life <laughs> and can show the people how good it was. Because it's fantastic, wasn't it? We had Andy yeah. chatting to Mark Gerardo's family. In his Karl Lagerfeld jacket. Yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> we had uh, Rhys Bennett's grandma, I think it was, telling me, I know, I know he's a nice lad when I went over to her and said, we've just spoken to him, he's a, he's a lovely lad and they're wearing <laughs> masks with his face on, um, which he found absolutely hilarious. And the best bit was probably, I don't know what you think, Andy, was the, the CUs that were going on at like two hours after full time in the game. We still had like a few, few dozen fans still milling around, weren't there? Some middle-aged doing the Cristiano Ronaldo CU celebration as Alejandro Garnacho so- was in the executive box looking out uh, from the Munich Tunnel, the, the suites above the Munich Tunnel. What, what do you think, Andy? What, 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 what else can we grill Ian on about this disaster of a technical <laughs> fault? Firstly, I don't think we should accept his apology. I think he should follow um, Rebecca Vardy and, and Colleen Rooney into court and, and, and be cross-examined as to what went on. Did you drop it in the North Sea, Ian? Is that what happened? Yeah. We finished the don't podcast at, at midnight. I had my mum on my case. You did as well, yeah. I need to apologise to her. What's your mum called, Andy? Anne. Anne, I'm so sorry that I kept Andy out so late for absolutely no reason in the and, end. Um, I, had an early, I had an early flight as well, but this is no consolation. I thought the podcast was really good. We were, we were having a laugh together. We were drinking together. We had the players' families coming up. We had freight trains going past on the Liverpool to Manchester <laughs> rail line. And Laurie had his little train spotters book and he went, I've had that one. I caught that one at Wilmslow Station. I've seen that one at Lime Street on my 17th birthday. And the players were were in view. Everyone was buzzing because United had won the FA Youth Cup. You're right, I was um, talking to Mark Gerardo's family. 
Do you really want to know what I spoke to them about? Because So they're from Sabadell, just outside Barcelona. But it's known among very old people there as the Catalan Manchester because of links with the textile industry. And I learned that when I got sent there 10 years ago before the Barcelona-Manchester United game to write about sort of big Catalan cities. And... Mark Gerardo's mother went, come here, and got his grandparents to come over. And one of them, yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. And the, then the player came over, and he, di- he didn't have a clue about it. So <laughs> they're probably thinking who was that proper oddball who came up to us whilst... But I like his jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked some jacket. Where'd you get your jacket from, mate? That's really cool. And It was good, though, how Gerardo's grandma was infused talking to you, Andy, about Cottonopolis and all that sort of stuff. And obviously you had a grandma grilling you as well, Larry, didn't you? Which seemed like quite nice poetry for us, to be fair, that that you both had that. Uh, None of this is making me feel any better about the fact that this recording has not worked, uh, to be honest. I'm going to make you feel a little bit better, Ian, because I'm still grateful, listeners, for Ian bringing to us last night his little bag of tricks, which included a cool bag with a little drink for each of us that symbolised our personalities, I feel like. So he, he didn't tell us in advance that he was doing this and he reached down and said, listen, lads, have a look in there. And it was just the perfect accompaniment to an enjoyable evening, wasn't it? And a, and a, a sort of a nice way to end the season after a, a difficult few months. Yeah. Well, basically, we, we'd said that we would always do a podcast together in person before the end of the season. We hoped that it was going to be for a final uh, for Manchester United's first team. So why not do it for for the U team? Andy had a can of Estrella, which he tells me is the working man's beer of Barcelona. So a man of simple taste gets a, a simple beer. That seemed perfect. And of course, Laurie got a knockoff. You, you can't be giving it out today, mate. You've got to be humble in this, in this podcast. And, and yet I did say that. And I also said... In Britain, it's marketed as like a premium yeah. beer. So that just shows yeah. the, the the power of marketing. And you also said, well, why are you talking to Mark Gerardo's family? And, and one serious point I made was when when foreign players move to the city where I'm from, I like them to feel welcomed. I like them to feel a connection and to, to feel happy. And he actually spoke very good English, but it should be more than the football. And I, I obviously they're happy last night because... They won, but most of them lads who played in that game, they're not going to make it at Manchester United, let's be realistic. And I like their experience of living in Manchester to be as, as positive as um as possible. But again, you might think a stranger coming up to him and talking to him about the, the history of the town that they, they're from. Maybe slightly creepy, I don't know. But you're right, I probably shouldn't give it out anymore today, considering. I was about to take the mick out of Laurie for his... Um... I'll, I'll have it, don't, 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 don't. Okay, I, I need do to make you feel better, because when you rang me, I just dropped Andy off at his mum's house. She obviously called oh. him late on, didn't she? She said, where's, where's Andy? And I love how he thinks that he's an old person. He's not an old person, is he? He's still got his mum calling him up, saying, where are you? Give us three rings when you're safe. <laughs> So I dropped him off and you called me up and said, Laurie. And I'm like, why is he so deflated? You know, the recording's not worked. <laughs> and we had like a little moment, didn't we? But so I don't mind. Listen, you, you come yeah. on, give it to me in here. Come on. Well, I was about to say, I'd, I'd talked about why I bought Andy the can of Australia and I bought you uh, a can of, it was called Italian Spritz. It wasn't an Aperol Spritz. It was a knockoff sort of ideas of grandeur type cocktail in a can thing, which I thought was perfect for you and your personality as well. So there we go. I've done it now, haven't I? You nailed it, Ian. I, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, and it's a nice segue, the drinks, into my little quiz that I did on Instagram that a few people replied to, you being one of them. Uh, it was, a, it was. I was at a wedding in Spain at the weekend rather than watching events on the South Coast. I, mean, I don't know if that game got cancelled or, or what happened to it. Yeah, what exactly. Game? Let's, let's move on. 
I was at a nice wedding, had a lovely time, uh, and I had a little drink in my hand, and I put a picture on social media and said, what, what, what am I drinking then? You went for Benny and Hot, didn't you? Had to be, didn't it, really? <laughs> I had a few yeah. saying, uh, Fanta and Coke, thank you for listening. A few saying Di Serrano. It was actually a vermouth, which apparently is uh, a drink that they, they have over there, which is kind of red wine, thought if I had sweet anyway. So you were right with Miss, Miss Brits. Anything sweet, I go for. So I said I'd give a shout out to the, yeah. anyone that got it right. No one quite got it right, but Amir Singh, 91, said Martini Rosso, which is very similar. So I'll give you the credit. Yeah, okay. What was his name, sorry? Amar Singh, 91. Amar Singh. Amar Singh, 91. Well done. Uh, you've won the quiz. I think we need to talk about the game as well, Get don't we? That, yeah. that was one thing we did talk quite a lot about last night. I, I thought it was just a brilliant old school Manchester United night, Andy. Um, a real uplifting night, actually, after what's been not a very uplifting season. Crowd was amazing. 67,000, 6,000 Forest. Great to see Forest back at Old Trafford. It's been too long. Got a lot of respect for that club. Won the two European Cups. Managed by Warren Joyce, formerly of Manchester United, big aggressive side, ultra up for it, fit. I think Manchester United had technically superior players, but it was by no means a, a, a given at all. Um, United went ahead, pretty bad mistake um, to lead to, to the equaliser. Another mistake, this time from an official, which led to Manchester United's uh, second via, via a penalty, because there was a foul, but it was, it was clearly outside the box, but there's no bar at that level. And then Garnacho is probably the player we'll speak about more than, more than most. He, he finished the game really, really strongly. Other notable appearances um, throughout the team. But just to see the lads like urging Old Trafford to raise the game and like forgetting us are doing it, that there's a game going on, that they're actually <laughs> playing him. It just made me laugh because it was a real innocence. And I wouldn't say they got carried away with the occasion, but I think they were, al- they were allowed to really enjoy it and the way that they celebrated and the Stretford end the Red Army section had a big flag uh, for the young players uh, it, it was a really great night I, I enjoyed it thoroughly before during and after I stood on some at Busby Way and it was just great to see so many people smiling and there are many people who will claim success for this and seven years ago I wrote a very critical article about Manchester United Jeeves system so it's, it's come full circle since then um, some of those have departed, like like Nicky Butt. Uh, Nick Cox is still there. He's been very important. Um, lots of the coaches have all chipped in and the players themselves. And it's great that United have won the Youth Cup for the first time in 11 years. It's a record 12th FA Youth Cup. Chelsea were getting a bit too close for comfort. They've won it 10 times, I think. But that crowd, if you look at the crowd of the previous FA Youth Cup finals, the last one before... Um, COVID, just short of 4,000 between Manchester City and, and Liverpool. And that's not an unusual crowd. The bigger clubs tend to have far bigger crowds. I'm not saying that Manchester City and Liverpool are small clubs here, by the way, but 67,000 just blew everything out of the water. You had a great start, though, Andy, as well, last night, didn't you? You say it was the biggest crowd that a Nottingham Forest team had played in front of since when? Since the League Cup final in 1992 against against Manchester United. That's ridiculous. Yeah, because Old Trafford, when Forest last played there, uh, not gone above 60,000 because it was still being redeveloped. Back to the days when Old Trafford was redeveloped. <laughs> a little dig there. And um, Forest have been in, in the Championship and down to the third level, I think, at one point. 
so yeah, it's, it's a, a mad statistic. But Yeah, another stat that we're going to um, repeat as well is the idea that a player from each of the FA Youth Cup winning teams has gone on to make more than 50 appearances or at least 50 appearances for the first team. Um, that was a stat that was one of the journalists had that last night, Laurie, I think. Um, I've seen Rob Dawson tweeting it. Was it Samuel Luckhurst? I think he said had the tweet as well, uh, or had the stat, sorry, last night. But from that team then, Laurie, last night, who is the one that impressed you the most, if it's fair to pick out just one? Yeah, it's always difficult, isn't it? And, and fair to Nick Cox after the game, we were on pitch side, weren't we? It was, it was great being pitch side, sort of seeing all the interaction between the, the fa- families. And he made the point that, listen, it's not a, a linear kind of journey. You know, you might get someone who's on the bench who actually you know makes his debut first or has a long-standing association equally it's hard to overlook the guy that's been starring throughout this competition Alejandro Garnacho who's already made his debut um, perhaps ahead of time you know perhaps in a, a situation where you've got um, somebody given a chance because the, the situation with the first team isn't great and, and it's nice to give him a little taste of first team action before um, the season ends um, but I think he just looks like somebody who is ready for this I mean that was one of the things that you had 67,452, I think it was. Incredible crowd. 92. 92, sorry. I've, I've done yeah. 40 people out of it there. and um, But he absolutely embraced it, didn't he? You know, the celebration, the Cristiano Ronaldo one, and then taking his shirt off. He wasn't cowed by the experience. And that's, I think it's a real gauge of whether a player can be a, a professional footballer. Is I mean, nobody, no, no 17-year-old usually plays in front of that bigger crowd go and, and see what you're made of. And he, and he kind of played yeah. till the end. He's got that speed endurance, hasn't he? He's got that little bit of, of X factor. As long as he keeps the balance right between, you know, knowing you've got that confidence to go and do it and not becoming arrogant with it and, and picking the passes at the right time when he needs to, I think he's got a really good chance. Yeah, sometimes with young players, you just get a sense that there's more to come from them. And uh, being up close to Garnacho last night and looking at the way he behaved in that environment, the way he embraced the idea of playing in front of 76,000 fans. By no means was he the only player to do this, but he looked like he was really enjoying the occasion and being on the pitch at the end with an Argentina flag tied around his neck, um, hearing the chant Viva Garnacho from the Stretford end and throwing his hands in the air to say louder, louder, louder. Argentina was coming out. He just looked like he was having the time of his life and you could see that very naturally how he'd how he'd continue with that. He wasn't the only one, though, Andy, was he, who stood out last night? Laurie's written about five different players who caught the eye. Uh, that piece on The Athletic Now, he finished that after recording that late-night podcast that will forever be forgotten now. Um, that's up on The Athletic at the minute. Go and have a look at that. Who, who else stood out to you, Andy? Well, I will read Laurie's piece. I've not read it yet because I got to bed really, really <laughs> late because we're doing the podcast. I thought Reese Bennett, the captain, um, had a great game. I hope Laurie's mentioned him. He was a, he was a threat in the air. Uh, at set pieces. Uh, Lewis Jackson, 16 years old, came in as a replacement, played on the left side of, of central defence. Um, he was good. Some of the more higher profile players, um, Isaac Hansen, he'd not been as busy in previous games that I've seen anyway, but he picked the ball up in nice spots and he, he linked the play well. I think Charlie McNeil, he worked really hard. He didn't quite come off for him. Um, Max Oyedele made a difference uh, when he came on. So they, they were some of the names who I took notice of and I'd be delighted if two of them made it as, as first-team players. bit sorry for Anthony Alanga that he, he sort of misses out on a trophy because he's been so good and, and come up through through the system. Just just, just encouraging that, that they've got through, they've, they've won the competition and that lifts everybody around Carrington. 
The 16-year-olds now will look at them and think, we hope to emulate that. And hopefully you get this, this virtuous circle where competition is thriving. And that, that always happened with the great Manchester United youth teams uh, of, of old. I'd like to see Eric Ten Hag's view on some of them, whether he takes some of them on the pre-season tour uh, to Thailand, to, to Australia. But they've all done themselves massive, massive favours by winning that competition. Yeah, we should say congratulations to Eric Ten Hag at this point as well. Of course, they were confirmed as champions of the Eredivisie Ajax last night with a 5-0 victory over here in Veen. While we were at Old Trafford, Andy was getting messages from a friend over in Amsterdam of some of the scenes uh, over there as well. It looked absolutely brilliant. So it's good that he's ending there on a high to bring that boost and confidence to Old Trafford because he's got a lot of work to do to repeat those scenes in Manchester, certainly. Uh, one part of all of that last night that I really enjoyed, Laurie, was listening to Sam Murray talk about the fact that he's stood with the Red Army this season in Old Trafford, supporting the first team. He's travelled to away games as well to do exactly the same. Sam Mather is another one who's done the same. You've written about it in your piece too. To hear him say that he's done that this year, even this week, I think, and now he's on the pitch being supported by that same section felt like a really special moment for the club to have a young lad who supports the team on the pitch, playing for the team and winning a trophy in front of a section that he's stood in this season just is what it's all about in a sense, isn't it? Pretty surreal, really. Um, I mean, I think it's great that you can have those stories in football um, and the fact that hopefully that means that if he is to make it he's got that understanding I mean he said that after the game you know I know what it's like to stand on the terraces so you kind of feel like the football's about connections and having an emotional attachment with what you're watching and hopefully that would strengthen that bond um, there's actually another lad Finn McAllister who's in United under 16s apparently he goes home and away as well uh, looks like a Brandon Williams lookalike who's another one that you know understands what it is to be a Manchester United fan so I think that is sweet moment and I think they all did. I mean Samari in particular he, he he enjoyed the feistiness of the way the match ended there was a bit of edge at the end wasn't there a bit of kick off yeah. after that second kick off and, and Dan Gore got stuck in he's a little one in midfield he reminds me a little bit of Paul Scholes you know the way he kind of gets on the ball I'm not sort of giving him too much hype there hopefully but he also can put it about and he sort of seemed to enjoy the kind of rivalry and, and the players seem to feed off the atmosphere rather than like I say be I guess a bit nerved by it I, I mean Cobby Mayno is another one that I would just throw into the mix I think he, he's always looked quite assured in midfield for United from Stockport um, seems to be really good at manipulating the ball so he, he's another one that I think I picked out but yeah in general I, I just sort of felt it was a, a really pleasing performance and it's, it's only one step isn't it it's the FA Youth Cup it's you know it can't be the end of the journey it can't be something that United celebrate until the end of time and you know remember that time we won the 22 FA Youth Cup it needs to be a platform for you know first team development but as a particular night especially at the end of this season I think it was one to be savoured. Right Andy I'm going to let you go because you need to go and pick your children up from school and I also don't want to now be responsible for your children being stood at the school gates and not being picked up when I've kept your mum up late so I'm going to let you go but thank you very much for doing this for the second time. Thanks everybody. Cheers Andy. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Okay, Laurie's still with us. We're going to round up some of the news that's happened because quite a lot's happened actually since we recorded last night. So there was a purpose to redoing this after all. Uh, I'm holding on to any shred of comfort I can take at this moment. Um, Ajax have announced... A replacement for Eric Ten Hag uh, since we've recorded last night. Alfred Schrouder is the choice for them. It was previously Ten Hag's assistant, Laurie. Is that right? Anthony Hayes written about it on The Athletic if you want to go and read about it. Yeah, it's an interesting appointment for Ajax. It, it was under him um, it, whilst they were having that run to the um, ch- uh, semi-finals of the Champions League. And by all accounts, an integral person in that. Um, went off and did his own thing as a manager, Club Bruges. So it's interesting Ajax have brought him back. You know, they obviously value him highly. Uh, it looks a bit like Eric Ten Hag, doesn't he? And he looks a bit like Mitchell van der Gaag, who were expecting to come in. So I'm sort of same barbers. Yeah. They, <laughs> interesting that they've acted so quickly, but it was it was nice seeing Edwin van der Sar give Eric Ten Hag a nice send off on the pitch. Um, although he did sort of say you were a bit weird at times, didn't he? Um, but but then you made it through. It's a kind of a slightly odd compliment. So listen, very van der Sar from my memories of interviewing him right, okay, uh, when he was at Manchester United. Quite dry and slightly sort of condescending is probably a strong way of putting it, but I think you know what you get what I'm getting at. Well listen, if he's slightly weird with us, then you know I'll have that. You know, a bit a bit of weirdness is never a bad thing. Um and I guess our first uh chance to see him will be on this preseason tour in uh Thailand and Australia, which I'm going to. So get yourself down there. Nice uh, smooth trip <laughs> across the other side <laughs> of the world. Um but I think I think they will now start to move properly with Eric Ten Hag, you know, uh, in terms of meetings for what he wants to do with the signings in, in terms of all kinds of you know preseason plans. I think now that he's won the title he can box that off. That was his yes. whole focus. I think they can really start to actually get some movement going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got their season finale at the weekend. Obviously, everything's sorted now, isn't it? Just one game left. So I guess he can now truly switch his focus on to, to Manchester United. Already the speculation's starting as well. And there's going to be so many Ajax links this summer, isn't there? There's going to be so many. We're already doing it now, aren't we, to be fair? Uh, Frankie de Jong is a name that's been linked with Manchester United already. There's a big piece on Barcelona's dilemma 
on The Athletic. Again, something else which has happened since we recorded last night uh, from Dermot Corrigan. Are United interested, Laurie? What do you think of him as a, a, as a choice? Obviously, he was at Ajax under Ten Hag when they had that brilliant run to the semi-final of the Champions League in 2019 and it's not worked out perfectly for him at the new Camp, has it? Yeah, it seems like an interesting um, set of versions of what's happened in Barcelona and Dermot Corrigan's done a really good piece, uh, as you mentioned, just sort of having a look at that. Um, do Barcelona want to sell him? Do Barcelona need to sell him? Is Xavi's view of this uh, an integral part? I think what we can say with certainty is that United are interested. Um, I think he's been on their sort of radar for a while, even before Eric Ten Hag, but Eric Ten Hag is somebody that, that really rates um, Frankie de Jong and would have him at Manchester United and, and clearly central midfield is somewhere that United need to strengthen and it might even be the priority for Eric Ten Hag um, over a centre-forward striker which we know we've discussed in terms of um, talks over Darwin Nunes for example and um, perhaps others. I would keep an eye on it. It's, it's a, a debatable one. This sort of conflicting reports over whether he, the player himself, is interested. I was speaking to Derm about this and he was saying that there's... Um, an idea that you know he's not necessarily enamoured with coming to a team without Champions League football, which I suppose you can sort of expect. But then again, if United are offering him uh, an opportunity to play regularly uh, under a manager that he knows well, um, at a stadium that is you know huge, and okay, the new Camp's kind of big as well, but you know the, the the lure of Manchester United is still sort of there for a lot of players. I think that it's it's one to watch. I would say. Yeah, and he details in the piece, Dermot, as well about the financial struggles, the ongoing financial struggles of Barcelona, which I guess could well be a consideration for them this summer and maybe something that Manchester United can can take advantage of, possibly. The speculation won't stop there. There'll be plenty more names, which, of course, we'll talk about as time passes on Talk of the Devils. But one other thing we need to mention before we go, Laurie, are the changes at the club, which are only continuing. We understand there's more on the way, but for the minute... You've reported about, hang on a minute, I need to get this right because not everyone does apparently. Uh, Chief Strategy <laughs> Officer of Manchester United has departed, Laurie. What are you laughing at? Are you having another pop at me on a podcast that we've had to re-record because of your technical dilemmas? Right. I've had to come out swinging today, haven't I? <laughs> I like it. You're, you're on the ropes and you've, you've landed a few haymakers. Um, you're absolutely spot on because I, I said he was the uh, head of corporate finance at Manchester United, uh, which is what his LinkedIn still says, but... Uh, I was reliably told after I tweeted it that he's actually the chief strategy officer. It's not uh, think, as reliable as Wikipedia, is it, LinkedIn, clearly? Exactly, I should have done, should have second sourced it. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I think the idea is that he was doing similar kind of jobs. I don't know what exactly the job titles uh, changing definitively means. Um, but I think he, he got this new role after Richard Arnold was uh, made chief executive. But it is an interesting thing that he's left. I mean, I know a lot of people... We'll be like, who is that? Um, I've got a few memes uh, in reply to my tweet, you know, the Conor McGregor, who the is that guy? But actually, he's a really important person behind the scenes um, in that he was very closely aligned with Ed Woodward, worked in the Mayfair offices, in fact, next to Ed Woodward, with Matt Judge. So, I mean, there's some office space going spare um, at the Green Park. There's an office going spare at this rate, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. It's a nice office as well. I've been there. It's, you know, sort of gold... Uh, it's a label on the gold plaque on the door and then you go up the lift and it's kind of like all dressed out you know in kind of like oak panels a bit, a bit like Old Trafford actually um, I think that's what they kind of tried to sell it as so when people come it's, it's where they do the commercial deals really and, and they do quite a lot of football talks actually and that, that's something to be debated really you know should they be doing those kind of things in London should they be really doing them in, in Old Trafford at Carrington you know showing them the places first hand um, that's actually something that Richard Arnold 
is going to be doing. You know, he's, he's based in Old Trafford. John Murta based at Carrington. So, you know, you've got a bit more of a power swing to uh, Manchester, which I think is the right thing. Um, but that being said, Hemant Tosheo was highly regarded. Nice guy, important in United's links with the European Club Association on broadcast rights. So it's another sort of gap for them to fill. I mean, again, it might not be that fans look at this and think, that's that's a good thing, you know. Change is happening. Change needs to happen, but still, it, it's a role that then needs somebody to fill, uh, and they will be looking for a new chief strategy officer. Um, so it, it's change, and I, I think he decided to step away because of Edward would go in. You know, felt like it was a natural point at which to leave the club after ten years. Um, at the same time, did he want to become chief executive? I think that's probably a question, you know, that he could answer. But there's some suggestion that perhaps that was a job that he wanted to do and maybe you know not getting it is is therefore a reason to go and think actually I'd I'd rather get some you know enhanced executive responsibilities elsewhere so I'm sure we'll see him pop up in the world of football finance um as time goes on but yeah as you say there's, there's changes happening and, and we expect more to come as well okay if you want to read about the latest changes at Old Trafford of course go and have a look at Laurie's piece on the Athletic right now and remember you can subscribe to the Athletic for just one pound a month for the first six months just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod you get full access to all our great writing and ad free versions of all the Athletic's podcasts including this one that's theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod sign up now well Laurie it was good to do this a second time around wasn't it always better the second time said no one ever thank you all you at home for listening as always we'll be back on talk of the devils at the start of next week to preview united's last match of the season against crystal palace and also round up of course all the news at manchester united which at the minute you just can't take your eyes off the last 12 hours has shown us that if nothing else but thank you for your company as always cheers to laurie and andy and we'll see you on the next one bye-bye the athletic